open up to Hebrews, if you will, in chapter 11. The book of Hebrews is a letter written, we believe, from the Apostle Paul to uh, the people who were scattered abroad at the time around the Middle Eastern area there. And they were Hebrew people. Um, they had been Israelites. Uh, some of these Hebrew people were no longer uh, in Jerusalem and around about there. Uh, they had been taken away uh, in various, um, what can I say, captivities. Uh, these letters were written to them so that they might believe that Jesus was the Christ and that his promises were to them. So uh, we read here, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm just going to look at a couple of verses here, just two verses. I'm talking today about Sarah. Sarah was the wife of Abraham, who was a great figure in the Old Testament there, the father of faith. We'll see why later on. First of all, Sarah, in verse 11, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. We'll see why in a moment. And was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised Therefore sprang there even one, sort of talking about Isaac, her son, and him as good as dead, as, the, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seaside, uh, seashore innumerable. Now I'm not going to go through the whole story there uh, of Isaac, etc., etc., but we are going to look at Ruth's situation. Um, a change had to happen in Ruth because at the beginning she wasn't sure about all this. And in fact, we're not actually sure that she was told all this to start with. So we're going to go right back into the book of Genesis and chapter 12. Genesis and chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 1 to 3. Now this time, Abraham's name was not yet Abraham, it was Abram. And his name gets changed later on. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1. Let's start. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from your father's house, into a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and to make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is a huge promise. All the families of the earth are blessed. Not only around here, in our area where we're living at the moment, this is in the Middle East as it were, but these other places you don't know anything about, Abraham. America, Australia, England, Botswana, places in Europe, etc., etc. It's going to be a blessing to all of these people. Um, verse 4 says this, And um, so Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken to him, that's uh, because his father had died, and Lot went with him, it's his cousin, and Abram was uh, uh, 70 and 5 years old when he departed from Moran. So just keep that in your mind, he was 75 when this first mention was made to Abraham. Now go to Genesis chapter 15, going to read verses 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing as I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me they have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 
Thou shalt not, this shalt not be thine ear, but he that shall come forth out of the bowels, out of thine own bowels, shall be the ear. And he brought forth, uh, sorry, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, tell the stars if thou are able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and uh, it was counted to him for righteousness. So this is a, an amazing story. You're going to have more children than the sands of the sea and the stars of the heaven, is what he promised later on. The vision said that Abram would be a parent. We're not told how, we're not told when. Did he tell his wife? Did he tell his wife? You've got that little video ready to go, have you, guys? Get that video. Good, just I'll let you know when. Not, not now, but a little while. Genesis 16, please. So Abram and Sarah followed a suggestion that Sarah had, natural plan. She still hadn't had a child at this stage. Now Sarah's wife, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in under Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So Hagar despised her mistress. Her mistress was despised in her eyes, I'm sorry. Now, Genesis 16 goes on to say in verse 10, The angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, because Hagar was sent away. Sarah got a neck in a knot, and she said, Send her away, I don't want her around here anymore. She's mocking me. And I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. So this is the Lord now speaking to Hagar, uh, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. So he says this to Hagar. Perhaps Abraham thought this was how the Lord was going to fulfill his promise, because that's what he said to Abraham, wasn't it? Okay, chapter uh, 16 and verse 16 says, And Abraham was now fourscore and six years old, eighty years old, uh, and six years, eighty-six years old, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. So it moved on a little bit, 11 years later on. Um, Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, uh, at least 24 years since the beginning contract started, Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my uh, covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations, neither shall the name any more be called Abram, uh, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Let's whip down to verse uh, um, 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, 
Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and give her and give thee a son also of her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. The word means mocked. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He obviously liked Ishmael. He was an okay guy. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up for Abraham. Did he tell his wife? We aren't, we aren't told. Men aren't good at passing on the detail. Men are extremely bad at passing on the detail. And I want to just play this little humorous video to you right now. And I know all the ladies will say, yeah, that's what happens. And the blokes will say, that's what happens. Women always have more questions than men have answers to. Great example of this. Six, seven months ago, I get a text one day. The text says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. I walk into the kitchen where my wife is. I said, hey, I just got a text that please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, was he driving? I said, I don't know. I just got a text that please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were Carol and the kids in the car with him? I don't know. I just got a text that please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Were the people in the other car hurt? I don't know. I just got a text that please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. What hospital did they take him to? I don't know. I just got a text that please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She said, well, you don't know anything. What do you know? I know you need to pray for time. I just got a text that he was in a bad wreck. With Abraham at this particular time, that he just forgot to told his wife about all these things that the Lord had said. Uh, it, it gets better, uh, hopefully. Praise the Lord. So, Genesis chapter 18. Now, beforehand, the first time that the Lord spoke to Abraham, it was just the word of God came to him. And uh, the next time it happened that uh, he had a vision and the Lord told him something. And um, this time in chapter 18, we find out that the Lord appeared to him, verse 1, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat at the door of the tent in the heat of the day. That's quite an interesting, a big change, isn't it? We jump down to verse 9 now. It talks there about three other guys being with him. In verse uh, 9, this is the other guys speaking as well, and they said, Where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent because she was getting some food ready for them, you see. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. He was about a hundred and she was about ninety. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I waxed? Uh, after I am waxed old shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear, shall I surely bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Now we know Sarah knows. We know she knows now. So she's expecting, or she laughed. Again, the word here means mocked. Both Abraham and Sarah couldn't believe that such a thing would ever happen. Go to chapter 21. I mean, isn't this really what we all want? We want clarity, don't we? We want to know what's the plan, what's happening in life, and what's happening. Even we in the Lord, we know the big picture, the Lord will return. We understand that we've received his spirit and that we are told that every day. As you know, if you've read your Bible, the Lord doesn't always give all the detail. We've got Psalm 22, we've got Isaiah 53, where various statements are made. And it was only after the coming of the Lord that we realised they were talking about him. So the Lord doesn't necessarily give all the details to start with. He wants us to trust him and trust that he has the future in hand. And all the people said, the intricacies are not something he often gives out. So, chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. So, the inconceivable happened to the one who couldn't conceive. Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken unto him, and Abraham called the name of the son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, and God, as God had commanded him. And Abraham said, sorry, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. This was about seventy-five, sorry, twenty-five years after the initial contact. Twenty-five years. But the Lord still did it. He had it planned all the way along. And Sarah said, God made me to laugh, verse 6, so that all they that will laugh with me. Now this is a different word. It's basically the same word in the Hebrew, but there are little inflections, you know, that they put under things and above things, which help you with the pronunciation and the meaning. It's a different word. It just means laugh. She was happy. And she says, and all they that hear will laugh with me. Everyone will be happy for me. Verse 7, and she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. She was absolutely thrilled, satisfied at the miraculous event which had happened to the two of them. Just a little aside here, we know people within our own fellowship who couldn't have children. They were prayed for sometimes over a number of years and they were healed and they have been able to have children. God works and God is alive by faith. We pray by faith, we ask by faith, we hang in there by faith. By faith, Sarah had received. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, don't turn there, it says, about the repentance, what must we do to be saved? That asked the question, and, and the Apostle Peter says, You repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive 
the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost being the gift. The word received is the same word here. Faith, Sarah had received faith. She had taken to herself what was offered. Why wasn't she laughing in a mocking way anymore? I'm going to read some examples in just a moment. First of all, in Hebrews 11. Actually, no, I'll just stay here for a moment here. What had happened since her first laughing? We'll do it right now. When the angels initially spoke to Abram. Perhaps Abram and then to her and she had laughed. Perhaps Abram told her about the previous times that the Lord had spoken to him. And she could say, oh, I see. Perhaps she had taken note of what happened, which is reported there in, in chapter 18 and chapter 19, of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord said he was going to destroy the cities because of their uh, wickedness. And he did. And so maybe Sarah thought, oh, I can trust God. Perhaps she'd recognised the Lord's protection. In chapter 20, you read a story about a, a man called Abimelech. The neighbour and Sarah visited a particular place. And um, I won't tell you the whole story because I'll give you the ending before I've given you the beginning. You go and read it in chapter 20. The Lord protected Sarah. The Lord protected Abimelech. The Lord protected all the people of the land. And the Lord protected Abraham. God protected those people. Maybe Sarah said, right, God has taken care of me and perhaps he will take care of me. There's no need for me to mock anymore. And of course she couldn't mock anymore because she had a child in front of her and she knew that what God had said was true. What else can faith do for us? She received strength to have faith. She received strength to conceive. That only comes because of faith. What else can happen to us? Go to Hebrews 11, if you will, and verse 3. There's some wonderful, wonderful things that faith can give us. And faith, by the way, is a gift of God. It comes as a gift. One of the, one of the things that God gives by his Spirit. Verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made from things which do appear. In other words, we do not believe in the evolutionary process. We believe in a creation that happened. I was an evolutionist. Our sister was a Catholic. I was an evolutionist. And I didn't believe in the creation story. I wasn't persuaded 100% about the evolution story, but it seemed like a better uh, idea to me to believe in that because there was no God involved. Once I got spirit-filled, I did some research and I found out that the evolutionists had lied to me about the evidence. And anybody who looks closely at the evidence you're given through school and through university will see that it's not always true. So here we go. What can faith do for us? It's by faith, we see here, and trust, in other words, that we choose to believe that whatever we see in the universe was because of the word of God. God spoke those things into being. We believe that. The Bible talks about the world being framed. The word framed means from above and perfect. It came from above and perfect. In the book of Second Timothy, don't turn there, chapter 3, it says that the man of God may be perfect, Throughly or completely furnished unto all good works. This is the same word used there, that the man may be fully equipped. And that's how God made the world, fully 
equipped to deal with the things that have to happen. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. We know that Cain killed Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted but Cain's wasn't. By which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, of Abel's gifts, and and by it uh, being dead yet speaks. In other words, he is our example to offer things with a correct heart, with a right attitude. Abel honoured God's word, and that's why his gifts were accepted. Cain didn't offer honour God's word. Verse five: By Enoch, by faith, <laughs> Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had translated him. In other words, he was there and he was taken away. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. In other words, he honoured the Lord. You know what? We can honour the Lord too. And when we do, the Lord gives us an incredible power, an incredible faith, we could say. Go with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Talking here about Enoch, who was translated. He was just taken away. On the ground one moment, next moment he was taken away. And this is the type of what is going to happen to the believers, the spirit-filled, the church of God. In verse 20, 55, in chapter 15, first Corinthians, and in verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the last trumpet sound, for the trumpet shall sound, the trumpet will be given by God, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That will happen in a split second in time. The Bible tells us that the dead shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be changed to be like the Lord. Translated, changed in the twinkling of an eye, Another scripture, First Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And this is now. There's a bigger translation coming when the Lord returns. But right now we have been taken from a natural world, from a natural understanding, a natural appreciation, a natural striving to a godly kingdom where we can see things the way God wants us to see them. He has changed us. He has translated what was going on in there before to say, I don't know what I'm doing here. And he's given us a real understanding of what he wants us to do and how we can do it. Hebrews 11, verse 7. This whole uh, chapter is talking about people who have faith and what they receive because of their faith. And the same promises are given to us that as we show faith in the Lord, he will bless us with things that we couldn't receive before. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, not seen as yet, he had been told there was going to be a flood. They hadn't had a flood before. It hadn't even rained before in this particular area. And so he was told there was going to be a flood, that it was going to rain. And yet Noah believed God, it says, and moved with fear. He prepared an ark, a boat, for the saving of his house. 
by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That was Noah, way back in our Bible. He honoured the Lord, so can we. It's a matter of saying, Lord, I believe you're going to look after me no matter what else may happen. That is faith. I believe, Lord, you are going to save me just like Noah was saved. It was a way which the world at that then time did not understand. And the world doesn't understand these statements, doesn't it? I mean, I've said these things to people in a moment of a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and, and people who aren't believers go, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, mad. And, well, in natural terms, probably so. But because we are spirit-filled, we trust the word of God, we believe the word of God, we know that he's real and alive. In chapter 11, still verse 13, it sums things up and it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, right? The promises being eternal life and that they would live forever. But having seen them afar off, they saw them, they dreamed about them, they heard God's word and were persuaded of them. They embraced them. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. They didn't think the same way as other people thought. They were pilgrims. They were only there for a short time, just passing through, as it were. For they say such things, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, a different place where they were at the moment. They're still searching for it. We are allowed to seek this heavenly existence. We are allowed to be fully persuaded that Christ is coming back and to seek those things now which will help us to make it to that place. In the face of the world, what we're saying is crazy. But in the face of the Lord, what we're saying is spot on. Go to verse 32. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to take of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, also of Samuel and David and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goats skins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Why? Because they had been taken out of the societies they belonged to. People hated them, got rid of them. By faith we are able to put up with hardships and it's not easy. It's not easy going through a sickness. It's not easy going through a time of cancer when your life's not good. It's not easy going through a marital trial. It's not seeing your children not well. And sometimes you pray and it seems like the sky is concrete above you. 
But faith helps us to see through those things. Faith helps us to say, I know. You can read any of the Psalms and you'll see that David starts out in most of them by saying, oh, things are pretty bad and the Lord's not answering me and why not? And then he comes around and he says, but I know that God tried his people Israel and he blessed them, he answered them and he will answer me as well. 1 Corinthians 1. We can be like the ones who we've mentioned here in this Hebrews story and we can be like Sarah who was made strong through her uh, inability to believe straight away. She mocked straight away. Even Abraham didn't take long before Abraham was persuaded. It took uh, Sarah, I don't know how to look at Sarah, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 28. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen weak things or stupid things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. God has chosen, yes, and things which were not to bring to nothing the things that are. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. He's talking there to the church who are uh, not listening to the apostle and his his, uh, talkings to them. He's saying, but you are wise. You're saying you're wise. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honourable. We are despised. So they were fighting against their oversight and saying they knew better. But it's the same word here. Despised is the story I'm trying to get across. When you just don't trust somebody. Ephesians 4, I'll read this to you. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And in Second Corinthians chapter 3.18 it says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of God. So we've got here the church at Corinth giving Paul a hard time and then he says, that we, why is the church there? He talks about the oversight and the purpose of the oversight is that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. The world is looking to deceive us and to deceive you and to deceive me. That's what the world wants. It cannot understand the things of God. And the second Corinthians one is that what happens to us as we walk on with the Lord, as we keep walking on and praying and overcoming, we all with open face, as a beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. In other words, we look in a mirror and we see what God has done to us, the glory of the Lord. I was talking to my sister a couple of days ago and she said to me, we know that something's happened in your life and you're a better person for it. We can see the wonderful things that God has done with you and Mary. That's for someone who doesn't know the Lord. 
and people who are honest can see that we're different now and all the people see it. We are changed into the same image, even glory to glory. We're changed into what we can see. We're looking at Christ, as it were, looking at what he's done for us. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. A miracle has happened to us, as happened to Sarah and to Abraham there. The miracle works to change our lives. The miracles that we face in our life, and we've seen plenty, are there to bolster us up so that in a time of difficulty, just like Sarah, she saw things which bolstered her up before that Genesis 21 came on. She was bolstered up by Abraham's life, by the angels visiting, by the protection that she had received. We can be bolstered up by what God has done for us in the past. Faith has a power to take away fear. Let's finish off. Hebrews 12 verse 1. It has a power to take away fear. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The witnesses are from Hebrews 11, the the chapter just before this one. They are a cloud of witnesses and they speak about what God has done. Let us lay aside every weight, that means everything that pulls us down, and the sin which does so easily beset us. It's easy to doubt, isn't it? It's easy to do the wrong thing. Even as the Apostle Paul writes, I want to do this, but I find myself doing that. And I don't want to do that, but I find myself doing this. How shall I escape, he says? Who shall save me from the body of this death? I love that phrase. Because we're always concerned and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to get back into where we should be. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Let's walk a steady line. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know what despising means? I'm going to tell you what it says here in the in the concordance. To treat with contempt. To treat it as unworthy of consideration. To disesteem it. That's what he thought about the shame that he was going to happen when he was crucified. Didn't concern him at all. So faith gave him the confidence to keep on going. Faith gave him the courage, and these other people spoke about, to stand up, not to cave in. A resilient nature, a resolve to say, I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing. I want a brief little story. You know Hannah Hurtado, don't you? Raimundo's oldest daughter. You might know her. She's been through some tough times. But I want to tell you a short story about her. In her last year of school, she was a failure in maths. So what she did was she dedicated, so in the last year, she did three terms and she was hopeless. In the final term, this is when there were now four terms, she took the, the holidays just before the last term off. Of all things, she didn't work, she didn't do anything. She just prayed. For this two weeks she dedicated herself to saying, Lord, I need maths. I want to be a teacher, I need maths. So she prayed about it. 
When she returned to school, except the teachers were astounded at the change. Absolutely astounded. She is now a lecturer of teachers. God has given her a confidence and a power. He showed her all about maths. Why would God want to show anybody about maths, you're saying? If you need it, you need it. And God did this miracle for her. And so the same thought applies to everything in our life. God does miraculous things. Faith can give us a vision, an understanding of the Lord's character, an ability to be resolute or iron-willed in fellowship with him, never to give up, never give up on him. Things will frustrate us as we all suffer from time to time, but let's never give up on the Lord and all the people see him.